1: Cents. I'm Karen Ellen Becker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellen Becker Investment Group. We are located in Pewaukee, just east of 164 and Capitol Drive. We're in that great, big, beautiful Town Bank building. We're also in the village of Whitefish Bay in the Equitable Bank building, across from Winkies and right by Sendex there. And we're now able to service our clients in Bonita Springs, Florida. If you would like to hear this interview again, and it is going to be terrific, you can go to to ellenbecker.com and look for radio shows and go to Money Sense and my show will be on and the reason I say it's going to be absolutely wonderful because it's something um, very dear to my heart and also very dear to my um, guest's heart because he recently lost his father and has been challenged with many of the things we're going to talk about and most of you know that my father passed away 10 years ago and currently my mother is in um, the Three Pillars um, nursing home. She started in the independent living and then went to assisted living and now is actually in the nursing home. And so many of the things that we're going to talk about today, um, I know I have walked that path as as my guest has. And so, not to delay it any further, my guest today is John McManus and he is an attorney with the law firm McManus and Associate. And I happened to come across an article that he wrote, and uh, in talking with him, I found out that they do a 10-step wealth and family process that is really fantastic, and I asked if he would share it with us. And so, John, I want to welcome you to Money Sense.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
1: You know, John, we talked a little bit before we started taping the show um, that you've gone through this with your dad. Is that what really led you? I know that you've been in business almost 30 years, and you've been doing estate planning and a variety of other wealth planning. Um, but how did this impact you with, with your dad's passing?
0: Well, I, uh, you know, two things I would say, uh, Karen. First is that it is, um, uh, uh, yes, uh, this, my father's passing has had a significant impact, and no matter how much uh, one prepares for this event, uh, and 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 indeed, we had the privilege to do some of that preparation, both emotionally and practically. Uh, th- there is uh, no solving for the hole in our hearts uh, when we lose somebody that is so important. You know, the gift that I had and my siblings, and my mom, and my children and spouse uh, was that he was a loving person and uh, a very smart person, incredibly engaging. Interestingly enough, uh, born in. The same day as uh, as george uh, uh, w bush uh, senior and um, and very similar characteristics very fun to be around so in that piece it's a it's a loss but I think uh leading up to this, the reason that I got into this business is through the guidance of my dad, we watched my grandfather's estate uh, uh, devolve because there was not significant and proper planning in place by and <laughs> Uh, experience counsel, and all too often, first-generation wealth uh, does not have the experience counsel and who can stress test their plans and not just prepare the inheritance for the heirs, but prepare the heirs for the inheritance. So we saw the family struggle and, frankly, emotionally never completely recover. And my father had said to me, you've watched through your grandfather's estate and and through your own eyes here, if you get into this business, if, 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 um, (laughs) please take it as seriously as you can, uh, both for people who are becoming disabled, but even uh, knowing and being mindful that your plans uh, need to think through what will happen to the family, not just the financial and the tax and asset protection, but how will the family resolve the practical issues. So, that is, those are the reasons how and why i'm here today yeah.
1: Well, when we let's start out our conversation about some of the very simple, um, practical things. And as we have seen, many um, movie stars and many people have passed without having any type of estate planning done. And, of course, that's always a shock because we think everything is going to be completed for them. And I know too, um, a lot of people will say that they don't have an estate plan. And I will say, well, you actually do. You either have one you put in place or one the government puts in place. And so when we talk about basic planning, um, I remember years ago I said to my mom, you know, you really need to do a trust or a will. or We need to do powers of attorney for health care, powers of attorney for finance. And I said, you can't do anything for dad without those documents. And she said, I've been married to your dad for 40 years. I can do anything with them. And I said, not legally. So, John, could you just cover some of the, the basics, the, the importance of people of any age have not put in place the power of the attorney for health care finances, because that's a really a good beginning that kind of leads you into a lot of the other conversations. Um, and that's true for anybody who's over the age of 18. So even your
0: children, your adult children. Right. Completely well said. And uh, your mom and so many others are not mistaken because they're so used to uh, viewing their lives as having a partner where one decision is never made without the other one. Uh, in place, and so uh, the the thought of uh, uh, you know a spouse becoming incapacitated and they not being able to step in is totally foreign and anti ethical to their minds, uh, but it goes back frankly, thousands of years. But if we only look back to our own constitution 200 plus years ago, we knew that each individual had their own has their own rights, rights that cannot be taken away from them unless there is a court that intervenes. And that court is typically a surrogate, just like you have heard of people stepping in their place instead, like a surrogate mom, and so forth. The surrogate's job is to say that, for example, for your mom, if If your father is incapacitated, their job is to step into the shoes of your father and say your rights cannot be taken away unless we oversee them. And yes, your wife has always been your partner, but our job is to be a protector far greater than that. And the result often uh, is that while the surrogates, the judge, or in any instance, the government may never do the job as well as your mom, uh, we are in a position where uh, there's no changing that. And and so the, the process, without having any documents in place, is that your mom would have to go to court. She would have to demonstrate first that your father is lacking uh, capacity, number two, she'd have to uh, state that she is the proper person to step in. Number three, if the judge agrees, and not always they do, the judge says, well, now that I'm putting you in charge, I want to make sure that you're reporting back to me regularly. I want to know that you have a bond in place in case you steal the money that you claim is your husband's. And so that process is designed, and, and I think you appropriately said at the beginning here, and that will be an enduring theme uh, today is my, my suspicion, Karen, and that is um, uh, there's always a plan. Um, it's just that the government is, is the one that has put that plan together. So uh, in the end here, how do we get around this? And the solution is to name representatives ahead of time. And the, the, the law and the courts allow us to appoint uh, Individuals that we call agents or representatives to step in today. I mean, the 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 most profound shocks often happen when. A husband and wife, or two partners, are in business together, and one becomes incapacitated, and the other one finds out, no, you cannot make decisions on behalf of your partner, and maybe uh, things come to a grinding halt. Or even uh, we were with clients uh, today, and he got a check in his name and his wife's name, and he wanted to deposit it into his account, which his wife always knew, but she lacked capacity, and the bank treated him like a common criminal and said, you cannot deposit and you cannot endorse your wife's name on the back of the check. If she's not here, um, it will not go in. So uh, the tough part is that once your mom or anyone else experiences someone with incapacity, there's no way to take away the incapacity. And so the result here is you have to go to court. So the only time to get these documents, powers of attorney, health care documents, executed is when we are healthy. And so occasionally we get that one gift where someone is declining quickly but not so fast that we can't get them to sign some documents and to have them understand. But that is a rare event, and we never want to count on that. Today I was driving uh, to work, and two blocks from my house there was a car accident, and everyone's hustling. The children are home from college. Others are trying to get to work. Moms are trying to get some shopping in. And two cars had nearly a head on, and one car was on its side, and the other one was completely totaled, two blocks from our house. So it's not necessarily a decline in your cognitive skills at 80 years old. Uh, We don't know what tomorrow brings. And so uh, our clients, when their children turn 18, they enjoy the same constitution protections that an 88 and 108 year old have. And parents cannot make decisions for their children at all. So that's and so a, that's important. Uh, you need to do that at that point, too.
1: That's really important because so many kids go away to school. And um, those documents like Biden, the microwave should be getting the power of attorney for health care for sure. <laughs> It should be on the college list. Uh, That would be really important. You know, John, we're going to take a really quick break. When we come back, let's just um, breeze over the importance of a will, uh, power of attorney, um, or a, a trust. And as I said earlier in the show, you know, you might think you don't need a plan, but everybody needs a plan. And if you don't have one, the government has one for you. With that, we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense, I'm Karen Ellenbecker. My guest today is attorney John McManus, and he is with the firm McManus & Associates. Prior to our break, we were talking about the importance of having a power of attorney for finances and a power of attorney for health care, the importance for anyone who is over age 18. As I said, my mother thought she could do anything with my dad, but the truth of that is is that she can't. I also remember having labeled my sister, I'm not married, and having my sister, Cindy, be my power of attorney for health care. And I thought she'd love to pull my plug, but the truth of it was that's not what she wanted to do. And she really didn't want anything to do with the documents. So it's important to sit down and talk to your attorney, but also to talk to the people that you believe you would like to step in to make sure that they understand your wishes. And so John, on the on the second piece is there's some other documents that really are beneficial to go along with the power of attorney for health care and the power of attorney for finance can you kind of cover that briefly
0: well a couple of things uh, in addition to the health care proxy and the power of attorney are documents such as uh, a living will and uh, the release of medical information which is called HIPAA uh, document and then the last we're doing is for minor children um, and then we can even talk about uh, setting up uh, irrevocable um, marital trusts, which which we're doing a significant amount today. And uh, first, uh, the living will. So for a million years, we've been concerned about being on machines and uh, being stuck in a position where we're neither alive and really not passed away and uh, leaving this earth with uh, a complete lack of dignity. And so the idea of having a living will says, here is how I want to be treated specifically if I'm uh, if there is no hope for a recovery. Uh, but for us, a living will is more important than that. We also want to have affirmative declarations about living a full life. So uh, instances where um, a, a young doctor is uh, using your chronological age to make a decision, you know, this is a perfect opportunity to donate organs and so forth, so that uh, may will not be as aggressive and employ the most aggressive and advanced health care. We want, and our clients are assertive about wanting uh, to have the best medical care, and so our living wills are focused as much, and any living will uh, should focus as much on um, being clear about the edict to be kept alive. Um, equally, it's important today in the age of all information being protected, medical information in particular, that we highlight the fact that hospitals cannot release this information. If we're moving from one hospital to another, your transfer could be held up because the hospital doesn't have a legal authorization from the patient if they're incapacitated. Or if you're looking to get medical records, and the hospitals will not release the medical records because uh, you're trying to establish if there's been any wrongful acts. So uh, in advance, authorizing um, your loved ones to serve as your agents, both for living will matters, but also the release of your medical information um, is critical. And then finally... For your children. So, but before the break, we spoke about children and even children heading off to college. Uh, we believe there's a bit of a conspiracy because the, the universities don't want to spend a lot of time teaching parents about how they can continue to be helicopter parents and overseeing their kids and asking to speak with the dean with because the child has given them a power of attorney or uh, or the medical offices when with a child that was sick. But uh, and we understand. And the hospital's view on I mean the school's view was on that but the bigger issue here is what if there is an emergency and and how do parents get to do that I have a daughter at uh, just graduated from Johns Hopkins and another one uh, that's at Notre Dame and frankly they're far away from where we are and we want to take comfort that if there is an emergency we can get to them Now, we have a son, and he is uh, 16, and he cannot be admitted into the hospital because he's a minor, but if we're not there, how does he get admitted? And so, in this respect, Karen, the focus is uh, to assure that we can name agents that can have him admitted to the hospital. The hospital is concerned about lawsuits, and our job is to accommodate their fear By making sure that we have agents who are legally authorized to act on our behalf. So I think the last piece that you asked about uh, for us is creating trusts. And so we are big fans of trying to do as much with asset protection as we are with tax minimization and incapacity planning. What does that mean? Well, uh, for example, what happens if you're uh, going through a marital situation or even more importantly, your children are going through a Marital situation. We've all worked too hard for our assets to go to people and to attorneys uh, who um, somehow have made a determination that these are appropriate for their client. So, an example would be uh, you want to help your child and you, loan, you give them money to buy a house with their spouse. Well, in a divorce, both of them would divide that asset and each would get half. Uh, Other instances, uh, which we recommend, and you and I have spoken about, is that we create a trust. And so we'd move some assets into trust. Uh, Your child can be the trustee. And when the child is ready to buy a house, they can borrow from the trust to make that acquisition so that – Uh, The trust will always be owed that money back in the event of a divorce. Sometimes the money is just used for down payments. Sometimes it's used for the entire house. But if there's a divorce and the house is going to be sold, well, first thing we have to do is pay the trust back. Uh, Again, uh, our big concern here is that we've all worked too hard. We want to be solving for ways to protect what we've earned.
1: Well, you know, John, the other thing, too, is so many times people think that the only time that they're going to need that protection is in the event of a divorce um, or maybe as as they age, medical bills. But I still remember Christopher Reeves and when he fell off that horse and the amount of medical bills that he may have incurred. And by putting this money into this um, this credit protection trust, not only protects against a divorce, but in the event of a bankruptcy, a car accident, an illness, um, it it it's really a wonderful way of um, maintaining those assets with the beneficiaries that you have and keeping them intact.
0: We, we could not agree more. In fact, uh, Christopher Reeves went over his horse not far from where um, we live right now in the Rolling Hills in uh, uh, western New Jersey, 35 minutes out of the city. Um, and the issue often, and we've had clients say, well, you know, is it fair if I'm going into a hospital and my assets are being used uh, in a in long-term care facility? Um, shouldn't that be where... Where they should be used and the answer of course the short answer of course is well sure those were your assets you built them you can afford to pay of course you should the struggle however though is that if your assets are inside of a trust then you become a participant with uh, uh the insurance companies and the government as so many others are receiving and you then use the assets of your trust to serve as a supplement Without the trust, the first thing that pays the medical bills are your assets. If you have a trust, then these assets serve to supplement. So if you're looking for sweaters or you're looking to make gifts to your loved ones or you want to travel for a weekend away and have a nurse uh, or two travel with you, these assets that you've worked so hard to build are there for you for the rest of your life. So there is that very important creditor and asset protection components. Of the trust that you um, are speaking about, that we support.
1: You know, John. One of the things, and we're going to take a break uh, pretty quick here. But one of the things that when I'm sitting and talking to my clients, and we put these trusts together with the asset protection um, piece, the trust for their children, and very often I will say, "Do you know? Do you think you're going to inherit anything from your parents?" And they will go, "Yeah, I yes, there's a substantial assets there." and I'll say do you have any idea of what type of a trust they put together and these kids really do not these adult children have no idea of what their parents assets and what their plan is and if it's protected and I'll say you know this is a good opportunity you've gone through what we've done here why don't you talk to your mom and dad about their plan because chances are if it's older than 10 years or so they don't have an asset protection trust and they can protect you and almost inevitably they'll come back and say my parents didn't know that they could do that they don't they want to protect that money for us and so it's a way of helping the generations to look at their wealth and to make sure that each generation understands the legacy and how to protect it
0: we, we couldn't agree more with you, uh, Karen, and I think part of the problem is that um, sometimes the most successful individuals that we represent are very values oriented and values driven. And one of the values is to uh, uh, be respectful of each person's privacy, be respectful of your elders, and they've raised their children to do that. And so their children have worked hard but have never wanted their parents to to feel like they were chasing after an inheritance or to feel like they were wishing their demise or that they were being selfish. So rather than having what we would hope are very... Um, open and inspired and um, productive conversations, they decide not to discuss it at all and I think you hit it on the head and couldn't have done a better job because in in, in the end both the parents and the children would solve for this uh, level of protection if they had a meaningful conversation but it never mushrooms to that level Mm -hmm. because they're afraid uh, to touch on making these requests for Uh, of their parents.
1: And I grew up in that generation. My parents never talked about finances and never talked about any of that. So I really get it, clearly. We're going to take a quick break. My guest today is Attorney John McManus with the firm McManus & Associates. And when we come back, John, let's talk about those 10 dangers and opportunities for seniors. It's the holiday season, and uh, so many of us end up seeing our parents that we haven't seen for a while. We notice things, we're wondering what to do what's the next step Uh, there's a lot of uh, one of the things you said spend a little time planning to save a lot of time doing and with that we'll be right back (music) Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellen Becker Investment Group. And if you've been listening to me for the last 28 years doing this show, you know that the most important thing that I take a stand on is education. I always feel that that's the most important part to open up the lines of communication, and that's one of the things that my guest and I are talking about today. And my guest is Attorney John McManus, and he is with the firm McManus in a Associates. And if you really love this conversation, and I surely do, you can go to EllenBecker.com. You can you can hit on radio shows. We've got Money Sense, um, and John's uh, show will be on there. We also have Milwaukee's Philanthropic Connection, which is on every single Sunday at 10 o'clock in the morning, and we interview uh, different charities within our community because we want you to know how, how hard everybody is working to really have, make life better for everybody, and I think that's the thing that we all hope to do. And I know, John, that's certainly true for you, because you specialize in estate planning and, and wealth transfer and charitable giving. And those are the things that are, are so important. And I always think every day I go home and I know I've made a difference, and I'm sure you feel that way too.
0: I uh, uh, I sure try. And uh, I feel that we are lucky to be in a position to guide others and Uh, hopefully enhance the quality of their lives and advise them on um, uh, potential issues uh, to make things more simple, sometimes the neatest things. Uh, in this instant, uh, Karen, are when people come back to us two, three, four, five, ten years later and say, you said this. And in (laughs) fact, um, uh, we don't remember it, but they said you were very clear and I took your advice and it's worked out wonderfully. So um, uh, in the end, I think we're just trying our best each day.
1: Yep. I know that um, with clients that I sit down with, my clients that are in retirement, they're probably in their 60s, maybe early 70s, I always ask them, well, what's the next step? You own your home. Is it going to be um, moving into a condo? Is it going to be selling and downsizing? Is it looking at a retirement community? And one of the things that is clearly um, evident in every client that I talk to is that they, they really don't know what they want to do. And your first guideline, your first danger is anticipate before it's too late.
0: Correct, Um, and uh, this is a perfect time during the holiday season, Karen, to discuss this because you have family around, and you can take just a few minutes. Uh, I can tell you that uh, my folks live um, 45 minutes to an hour away, and the time that we're able to have a conversation in earnest is uh, usually after Thanksgiving dinner um, or after a holiday meal during the during the season so uh, seize on this Uh, If if I could uh, impart that, and uh, that is there's no time sooner than today to do that. We spoke about that earlier uh, this afternoon where there's always that risk, but certainly as time goes on, even more so Mm -hmm. in our conference rooms. uh, It's not unusual to have someone that is 90 years old, and uh, the answer is uh, they are uh, just uh, simply more brittle and less balanced than they were when they were. 80, and of course the same for when they were 70. And uh one fall uh, can can have a major impact. So the goal here is to get these documents signed. And it's a demonstration of love. I mean, I cannot tell you how many times I've heard children say, Mom and Dad, make life easier for us. If something were to happen, just give us the ability to make decisions for you. And it's one of those few things that as we age, um, sometimes it's the one thing that we feel – Um, we can control is the ability to make decisions on our own. And uh, that's not an easy answer. There's Mm -hmm. no question. Uh, But we definitely want to highlight this and show um, our senior family members here is an opportunity not just to give us the gift of your assets when you pass away, but to give us the gift of making this as seamless and as smooth as possible along the way. And having these documents in place helps, count
1: You know, John, when I'm talking to my clients, I we talk about legacy all the time. And and I remind them that legacy means many different things. And one of those is the legacy of the advisors that you leave behind. Because children are going to look and say, oh, that accountant must be the best, Dad Used it, or mom used them, or that's the best financial advisor, that's the best attorney. And I think it's really important that our listeners make sure that whoever their advisors are, that they consider that part of their legacy and that they have the right people in place.
0: Look, I couldn't agree more um, that uh, the uh, the notion of uh, having the children and the parents involved with the same financial advisor provides a continuity that cannot be ever replicated in legal documents. Uh, it is uh, these representatives that breathe life into the planning pieces that you put together, and there's no way uh, around that. Um, some of the struggle is that, uh, you know, there was a great commercial for many years that this isn't your father's Oldsmobile um, or Buick, um, and sometimes younger generations may say, if my parents use them, maybe that's not uh, the best for me. And so, it, it, there are hurdles um, that uh, one has to get past because we are not our parents Buick or our parents Oldsmobile. In fact, um, uh, just the fact, Karen, that uh, you're doing uh, these educational pieces demonstrates that you're constantly solving for uh, the -the state-of-the-art work. And so we support uh, having the family involved, integrating them, and it's for mom and dad to bring their advisors and their children together under the t- at the same time at the table some of the problems are that uh, parents are not so um, open to the idea that they want to share. And it's incumbent upon the advisors uh, to demonstrate that not all things have to be disclosed, but having a free and open conversation will make life much easier. And it's the point that we have second on the list here, which is the administration process. Probate in itself, another court-ordered transfer of assets from one Uh, generation to the next um, can be complicated and riddled with steps that we want to uh, avoid as much as possible so there are strategies that can help minimize the probate process, but they have to start ahead of time. Things like creating a revocable trust, for example, which will enable um, uh, those that pass away to have a more simplified transfer from generation one, grandma and grandpa, to generation two, and generation three, which is children, and grandchildren
1: we're going to take a quick break john and when we get back let's take let's look at um, taking advantage of some of the opportunities such as the gift tax exemption generation skipping um, federal income taxes step up in basis and with that we'll be right back to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. My guest today is Attorney John McManus, and he is with the firm McManus & Associates, and we are talking about estate planning. We're doing this show right before Christmas because so many of you will be visiting with your children and visiting with your parents and your loved ones, and if you happen to notice that maybe a little bit of things are are changing, it's really a good time to open up the conversation to make sure that everything's in order, and often it just takes a sit-down meeting to kind of explore what you have. I liken it to going to the mall for the first time. You walk up to the directory, and there's an arrow there, and it says, you are here. And uh, sometimes that's all it takes, is just to figure out where you are and then to have an opportunity to decide if it's exactly where you want to be going. My guess, as I said, is Attorney John McManus, and we were going to talk about gift tax and generation skipping, income tax. All of these things can be addressed with your estate planning, and I think, John, what you're going to say, do do it early. Don't wait too long.
0: Well, I think that that's true. You know, uh, thanks so much for that because part of the issue is that there are so many other things that we could be doing. I was telling my children over the weekend about uh, John Lennon and his comeback in the late 70s. And you know one of his favorite quotes uh, was, uh, life happens while we're busy making plans. And I'm sure you've used that as well, Karen. So the, uh, the things that are the shiniest object in front of us often are the things that we solve, uh, as opposed to just taking a step back and saying, there are many shiny objects in front of us. Uh, decide really which one is the shiniest and the one to solve for. So uh, for sure, one of the big things that people are doing to minimize estate tax is to take opportunities today and to transfer assets off their balance sheet into a trust where they can still have access. They can borrow those assets. If they're married, they can have those assets um, uh, come back to them through a distribution uh, that their spouse can make. Uh, What we liken it to is taking a balloon and squeezing the air out of it, sliding it underneath the door, which is the tax threshold and then blowing it up on the other side. (laughs) And by doing that, we've avoided uh, tax in the transfer, but we've also seen the growth take place on the other side of the door at a much greater level than this small, thin seam that we slid the flat balloon under. Mm So the emphasis of growth is key in any uh, transfers to minimize tax. In addition to that, there is a generation skipping tax. Uh, Karen, it's among the most complex areas of the tax code, and many uh, practitioners uh, avoid it uh, with a 10-foot pole. The issue, though, is when you understand that and when you have practitioners that understand that, you can make gifts down to your grandchildren or create trust for your children for their lifetime, where they can serve as their own trustee, where they can make distributions to themselves. But if they don't spend all the money during their lifetime, um, then by all means let's get that down to the grandchildren in uh, a tax-free manner and that's called a generation skipping tax transfer some people view this as dynastic planning and so invariably people who've worked hard and have solved for a certain amount of financial success will say uh, my first job is to provide for my children but I may want to provide some for my grandchildren or for my children I want to make sure that uh, it's not just the gift of the asset, but it's the gift of a protected vehicle that I'm wrapping them in. I often say, better to give your children uh, an asset showing up in a Brinks truck with you having the keys, giving it to them, than a carton with cash and the wind blowing through. So the trust, both for children and grandchildren, solve for the estate and the generation um, skipping tax. And then, of course, you want to focus on federal income taxes as well. Today, um, we've lost the ability to deduct state income taxes against our federal return in any material way. And so we want to think about ways that we can increase uh, our tax savings uh, due to the limitations on state and local taxes. Insurance is one way. It compounds without tax. Purchasing certain portfolios that um, are triple tax-free in certain municipal bond portfolios or others. There are states in the nation that, uh, uh, that one can set up trust without having to move, uh, and those are Delaware and Nevada where we're doing wonderful trust to avoid the state income tax and then of course there are opportunities for, uh, when one passes away that we get a resetting of tax basis. So if you bought a house for a hundred thousand and now it's worth five hundred thousand, when you sell it, you have that gain. But if that house remains in your estate when your children sell it, the basis resets and the children avoid the tax. So proper planning looks at what assets should I give away while I'm healthy and what assets should I keep in my estate when the time comes uh, for me to uh, leave this earth and and uh, meet my maker. The one thing that we want to always think about is um, long-term care and the idea that um, nursing homes and assisted living facilities can have a significant deleterious impact on one's worth. Earlier, we spoke about trust as a way to shelter, report portion of that. But the government's been clear that you have to have those assets out of your name for more than five years. So we are big fans of long term care insurance as a supplement to ensure the quality of life for you in your years of retirement. Lord knows we've worked too many hours and you and I, Karen, as well, in our lives to get to the point where we've achieved some measure of success we deserve in our final years uh, to be in a place where it is as much a reward for what we've earned as it is a necessity. So having long-term care and having assets into trust, long-term care insurance is uh, critical. And then, of course, we want to expect the best, but plan for the worst. So, um, as we're moving forward, it's not just if we're married, um, and if we, if we get divorced, but what if we're married and we pass away and our surviving spouse remarries? Those assets are also vulnerable. So having the assets in trust, For our surviving spouse, they can serve as their own trustee. They're the ones driving the Brinks truck. Uh, Or on their passing down to the children, equally, having those assets in trust where the children can be driving their own Brinks truck without having to have an institution oversee that. Certainly, they need the professional managers to manage the assets, but essential is that no one is taking those assets away from them. And then, of course, we want to address special needs because you never know when one of our children or grandchildren may be fallen with um, a a disability and how do we solve for that. So always have documents in place that are flexible. Always keep in mind your children and your children's children. Um, In some ways, it's profoundly rewarding, um, but certainly we want to make sure that uh, we're allocating for those children in a way that addresses their financial needs as well. And then, of course, we want to prepare our heirs. So uh, it is one of the biggest points um, of any planning. It's not just to stress test, will this properly flow down among the generations, but uh, also, are the children ready? Having the family meetings, speaking about philanthropy. Would a portion of the estate go, for example, to a philanthropic vehicle? It won't move the needle for any one heir, but to have the whole family, family gathering um, and watching these assets compound inside a charitable vehicle without any taxation is one of the greatest joys of the work. Uh, I know that both you, Karen, and, and we feel that we do.
1: I know it's such, it's so wonderful to um, have people realize that they're planning for themselves, of course, but the real planning and the real gift is to their children and the people that have to step in their, in their shoes. And one of the things that I'll often say to clients is um, just think about getting a call on the phone and it's your attorney calling and calling a meeting together and you get to the meeting and you realize it's the first meeting that your attorney is having with your beneficiaries after your death. Are they sitting there, you know, are they sitting there upset, they don't know what's going on um, or are they sitting there talking about how great dad or mom was and everything was planned. I mean, sort of visualizing what does that meeting look like and so many times as I'm sure you find out that the the spouse, the remaining spouse, is just um, feels like a fish out of water or a turtle on its back doesn't know who to trust my guest today is attorney john mcmanus and he is with the firm mcmanus and associates john thank you so much i we could go on talking i can tell forever but uh we gotta we gotta end the show and as always i hope that i've made a difference in your personal and financial being remember before we plan before we advise before we invest we always listen have an absolutely great holiday and a great weekend bye-bye